looking back in the box, right? Away in a manger, my Savior was born without a nurse for his mother or a nice hospital room. No doctors were waiting to usher him in. Still he came to this world to heal our sickness and sin. All of Israel was waiting for the Messiah, they said. But when they learned it was Jesus, they turned him away. They graduated, my Lord, from a small wooden bed to an old wooden cross and wooden thorns for his head. Way on Mount Calvary, my Savior was hung. Though he loved everybody and the wrong he had done. What gift will you bring, my Jesus, today? Will you give him your heart or will you turn him away?
dear sweet friend of ours by the name of Connie Henson up in North Carolina wrote that song and uh, and uh, Sister Connie that was Peggy but Connie was the other one but uh, yeah hopefully one day we'll get Sister Connie down here she's got a lot of songs and at this time we've got to let all the children go to children's church this morning thank you brother Oscar but get it for all the children this morning Amen, amen, and amen. Amen. So uh, it's very special. It was in our days when we used to go around singing in different places, and we used to have fun with that. It was very, very good. So uh, everybody ready for Christmas? How many take out? Anybody take out any loans? I don't know, man. It can be expensive, right? It can be very expensive. But anyway, I just, I just pray that this Christmas season is a Christmas to remember for each and every one of you. And before we get started, as I'm remembering, there is uh, one of our dear sweet sisters is not here this morning. Her name is Marge Hart. She's the, usually the late sister right down next to Sister Helen, her buddy right there. And uh, she's usually here. And uh, right now, she is just uh, she is struggling right now. And so uh, I want us just to lift her up this morning before we go into the message. I feel it'd be very appropriate to do that. Father, uh, we just uh, come in your presence, Lord. You are a holy God. Lord, we serve a holy God. And Lord, we thank you, God, for your large and in charge of all things. Lord, in heaven and on earth, the entire universe, everything, God, it's all your footstool, Lord. And, Lord, you live outside of time and space. And, Lord, you created time and space for all of us that we would bring glory to your name. And, God, that we would make much of you. So, Jesus, this morning I pray, uh, Lord, for Sister March. Lord, who I know is fighting this morning, but I know, God, that she's resting in you, Jesus, because that's who she is. She loves you, Jesus, with all her heart, with all her mind, with all her soul, with all her strength. And, Lord, as she... uh, as she is contemplating whatever your perfect will is, Lord, we know that she's right there. Uh, if she's not already there, Father, Lord, I pray that you would just be with her, comfort her during this time, Lord. Give her peace that surpasses all understanding in this moment. Be with family, be with Linda and Al and the rest of the family and the girls and the grandgirls and, and the brothers and everybody, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you be the God of all comfort for each and every one of them. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for life. But we thank you especially for life everlasting to those who know you as Savior, King, and Master of their life. So God, just encourage her this morning, God. Lord, help her to not suffer no pain. And Lord, that your tender mercies would just be upon her life. Father, we thank you and praise you already for what you're doing and what you've done. For it's in Jesus' name. And all God's children said what? Amen. Amen. If you could pull my monitors down, brother. I don't know. Some kind of roaring up here. But, um, but listen, we've been going through, we took a break from Acts for the month of December. And if you remember December 1st, we talked about what? His coming, remember? The fact that he was coming, getting ready to come. Uh, all the messages in the Old Testament that point to, uh, the prophecies pointing to the coming of the Messiah, Lord Jesus, right? And then we talked the second week that he came. We talked about the virgin birth in great detail, and we talked about that and why all that had to take place. 
at the very appointed time, that God is a God of uh, time and order, and He's on time. And listen, He's never early. Listen, He's never late. We serve an on-time God. Amen? Yes, certainly we do. And then last week we talked about how uh, that He connected. He connected with us in His ministry, in His life. He connected with people. And he, how He connects with you and I today. Well, today we're going to talk about how He conquered. How He conquered. So I want you to follow me. There was a, there was a, a little boy in a little Midwestern town. He had come to town early in the morning, and uh, he was there in town, and then all of a sudden, uh, for some reason, he got lost and didn't know how to get back home. And so this little boy was in town lost, and he was in tears, and he was distraught, and he was worried about because he could not find his way back home. And so this gentleman saw this little boy in tears, and so he goes up to the little boy in tears, and he says, son, what's the matter? He said, I'm sorry, I can't find my way home. And so the young man said, well, I'll help you find your way home. He says, can you think of anything that's near your home uh, that can help you to remember anything or an icon of something to help you to get home? The little boy said, yes, yes, I can, I can. He says, at the top of this building is a cross. So, so this man takes this little boy home. And as he gets close, and then he sees, because he knew that where the church was, the, the young man did, and he took him along, and he saw the church, and the young boy looked up and saw the cross. And he knew exactly where he was. And he knew exactly how to get home. And you know, and it's like some of us, you know, the cross, when you look to the cross, it points to the direction home for each and every one of us. So this morning, we're going to talk about the cross in, in a little bit of detail here. How many of you believe there is power in the cross? Amen. You believe that? Amen. Amen. There is authority in the cross. Our Christian journey experience begins where? At the cross. All of us must bow at the cross. All of us must humbly come before the cross. There is power. There is power in the cross. There's the power of the cross. In Ephesians chapter 1, if you would turn to Ephesians that's where, where we're going to be at predominantly this morning. Ephesians chapter 1, we will see Paul's writings about the cross and, listen, all the privileges and the rights and the benefits that goes with it. So let's look at the role of the cross today as I go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I thank you for the reading of your word this morning. I pray, Lord, that you grace us. Lord, that every ear is open and every eye sees. Lord, that you open up our hearts to receive your precious word this morning. Lord, help me to get out of my own way and allow you to come and speak through my lips this morning, God. I pray, Lord, that if there are hearts here that don't know you or far from you or troubled hearts here this morning or troubled minds, I don't know what everybody's going through. I know what Marge is going through right now. And I know she rests in your hands, Jesus. And Lord, as I think about hers, I think about all of us in here. Lord, there's a fact remains. We're either going into something, we're in something, or we're coming out of it. That's just life. That's the way it is in a sin-sick and fallen world. So Lord, help us to draw close to you. Help us all to draw a circle around ourselves. Lord, help us to look inwardly at our hearts and our minds. Help us to contemplate just where we stand, just where we sit. 
just what we are doing with our life, what's the purpose of life, what's the meaning of the cross to, my, to, to each and every one of us. Lord, help us to hear your voice this morning, and I praise you for it all in Jesus' precious name. And all God's people say what? Amen. Amen. Let's read in Ephesians 1, chapter, starting in verse 13. Chapter 1, verse 13. Listen up. It said, When you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and when you believed in him, you were also sealed with the promise, Holy Spirit. And he is the down payment of our inheritance for the redemption of the possession to the praise of his glory. Paul writes in here and he talks about, listen, the Holy Spirit here, he says, in other words, God doesn't want you to have to go to heaven before you taste it. He wants you to taste it in the here and now. He doesn't want you to wait to get there. He wants you to taste it in the here and now. God wants you to have a down payment now of the heaven that you are all going to if you believe in Christ. If you are a Christian now on your way to heaven, God doesn't want you to wait till you get there to feel what it feels like. So he has given you a down payment. It's a pledge, a piece of heaven that has been allocated to you now. Let me show you as we go back up to, go up to verse 3. And let's look at what verse 3 says in Ephesians 1. It says, Praise the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavens. Listen, church, everything that God has ever done for you is already done. It's already accomplished. Notice the word blessed, the E-D on the end of the word. It's a sealed, done deal for you, the believer. I want you to believe that this morning. Everything and anything God is going to do for you is done in the heavenlies. It's already banked. It's already vaulted for you in the heavens. And Paul wants you to know what God has provided for you. God wants you to see it. He wants you to know it. Listen, and live in it down here on planet Earth. He's here with you. So my question is, does anybody want to know what's been allocated to them? Amen? Man, I want to know. So listen, some of you have bought a car, right? How many of you have ever bought a car, and then before you drive it for the first time, you sit in it and you read the owner's manual? That's exactly right. That's what I thought. Me neither. Right? We're all the same, right? Who reads the owner's manual? Duh, I just want to turn the key, it starts, and I put it in gear, and I let her fly, right? So that's what we do, right? Well, think about this. Think about this. So... So, no, right, so, so how many of you have ever, after reading the owner's manual, discovered something on your car you didn't know you had? <laughs> Duh! Duh! Why are we that way? That's just our rebellious nature, right? That's just the way we are. They give us instructions, we don't read them. And then we discover much later. I'll give an example. Brother Tim, my brother Tim and I, went and bought his red avalanche truck, right, from this gentleman on the, over on the East Coast. So we're in the parking lot at night. We're examining this car, this truck and everything, and looking it over, and the guy gives him the key fob. My brother goes, oh, man, this is cool. This has remote start. And the guy goes, what? 
He said, what? He said, I've had this truck for four years. I didn't know it had remote start. <laughs> see, see what I mean? It's just who we are. We get it. We jump in it. We turn the key. We hit the road, right? And that's what we do. That's exactly what we do. Listen, Christians come to church every Sunday, every Wednesday, still functioning basic, not knowing all the rights and all the privileges that inheritance that God has given and ordained for all the saints that involves God's surpassing power. We don't spend time in the manual. We don't read the manual like we should. There are rights and privileges for all of us, and you never know what they are until you read the owner's manual. It's so true. Listen, what the cross provides you and I is the opportunity of what God can do Listen, out of the normal things of everyday life. In our, listen, in our will is God's superimposing power. And many of us never discover that potential uh, for ourselves. And it's sad, really, because what happens is, in the end, you end up going to the grave, as I said a couple weeks ago, full of potential rather than emptying that potential. God wants you to go to the graveyard empty for his glory, for your good. He wants you to exhaust every bit of potential that you have. Don't go to the grave half full. Man, you're robbing people of a blessing that God wants to use you to give. And so it's important for us to see that, to understand that. Man, it's time for us to get busy. It's time for us to share our faith, share our love in our conversation, in our conduct, in our character. We should be going about being an example, a living example, a sacrifice unto God, wholly acceptable to Him, which is our reasonable act of service. In Romans 12. So we need to think about this. So as I think about this, the Bible is basically split in two parts. In the Old Testament or covenant, listen, in the Old Testament, they were looking forward in anticipation. Remember our first message? We looked at all those prophecies in the Old Testament looking forward to the coming of the Messiah. Written 1,500 to 1,000 years before Jesus was even born. But they were, listen, in the Old Testament, they were looking forward in anticipation for God's entrance into humanity. God in the flesh, in Jesus, the Messiah. All sacrifices and all the ceremonies that they did in the Old Testament were in anticipation of God's entrance into history. And listen, and into our humanity. That's in the Old Testament. But likewise, in the New Testament, for us today, all of us sitting here, we look back in history to the cross as the basis for everything. Everything God is going to do to, through, in, and for you. We look to the cross. We look back to the cross. They were looking in the Old Testament to the cross. They weren't even looking to the cross. They were looking for a Messiah, a king, not a suffering servant. And Jesus came. And we can look back and we know history proves it and shows it. It gives us evidence that demands the verdict that Jesus is, Jesus was, and Jesus will forever all be it. Always. Listen, all of these things are tied in our relationship to the cross. When you lose sight of what happened 2,000 years ago on the cross, you cannot fully experience it here. When you lose sight of what Jesus accomplished in the cross, you're going to lose sight of your inheritance right here, right now. Then you will be like every other human being on the planet, right? Just trying to make it through, right? Right? 
Just, just trying to get through it. Just trying to deal with it. Just trying, listen, to do the best that I can in this life. We've got to look back to the cross. God wants you to know more. God wants you to know verses 18 and 19 in Ephesians. Let's read it together. He says in verse 18, I pray that the perception of your mind may be enlightened so you may know what is the hope of his calling. What are the glorious riches of his inheritance among the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power to us who believe according to the working of his vast strength? So, does anybody want to know their inheritance that is set aside just for you? Listen, my other question is just what did Jesus accomplish on the cross? Well, let's look at verses 20 and 21. In verse 20, it says he demonstrated this power in the Messiah by raising him from the dead and seating him at his right hand in the heavens. Get that picture? Jesus sitting at the right hand in the heavens. Look at what verse 21 says. Far above every ruler and authority, power and dominion, and every title given, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. Now when you look at this verse, look at that last line. This age and also in the one to come. Notice the two time zones. There are two time zones there. This age, which is what? Now. It's now. The age to come, which is what? Eternal. Forever. Forever life. What Jesus is accomplishing is for this time and for the time to come up there to be with him. What Jesus is accomplishing right now, listen, in this age, in the nasty here and now, he's accomplishing it right now. Jesus is now sitting far above Think about this. Every ruler and authority with power and dominion. Let me read this again. Jesus is currently sitting, listen, far above every ruler and authority and power and dominion. Listen, no matter how high anybody is in your world, they are not the final authority. Ever. Why? Because there is somebody sitting where? Far above. Every ruler and authority, power and dominion, which means whatever you're dealing with, whoever you're dealing with does not have the last say. Why? Because however big they are, however powerful they are, there is somebody sitting not just above, but far above. He's far above. Far above. Way higher than every ruler and authority power and dominion. Listen, if one man in one city can affect the nation and the world politically, just what do you think the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords can do? Sitting far above every ruler and authority. Man, it should change the way we all look at things. Amen? It should. Because what you say, listen, is a word. But it's not the last word ever. It's not the last word. What you think is a thought, but it's not the last thought. What I say is a word. It's not, however, the final word. Because we all know somebody sitting where? Far above, in the executive chair, 
He's sitting there. Every ruler and authority, power and dominion. Which is why you cannot afford to live a depressed life ever. You cannot afford. You may be allowing your circumstances to rule over you. Let Jesus, let the cross, let him rule over you. Don't let your circumstances and depression and junk and funk in your life rule over you. Never. Let Jesus rule over you. Let him rule over you. See, you know somebody who has final authority. You know somebody who has veto power. We hear that a lot, right? Talking about veto power. Let me explain something. The difference between authority and power. There's a difference between authority and power. Authority, listen, is the right to use power. That's what authority is. It's the right to use power. You can have authority, but not necessarily the power. Let me give you an example. Referees on a football field. All right, think about this for a minute. They are not the strongest men on the field, right? They are not. Why? Because they are older, (laughs) right? They are older, they are slower, and they are fatter. (laughs) They are. But listen, but when they throw that yellow flag, everything stops. When they throw the yellow flag, listen, the bigger people have to stop. The faster people have to slow down. They do. You see, referees shut the whole thing down because they have great authority that gives them the power to shut things down. The authority overrules the power every time. You might drive a faster car and be a bigger man, but if you see those blue lights behind you, (laughs) you better pull over, right? You better pull over. You have to stop, right? Because the faster, bigger, better car, nothing to you when you have the authority behind you. Right? Authority overrules power every time. You can't overrule the devil by power. You cannot overrule the devil by power. He's a spirit being, and by sheer strength, you will lose every single time. But when it comes to authority, that's a different story. Lots of people look for the wrong thing. They look for what? Power when they need to be exercising authority. And that's different. That's the reason why people are losing rather than winning. They are looking for power and not the rightful use of authority. Let's look at why the cross is so important. I want you to turn to Colossians chapter 2. And we'll pick up in verse 13. Colossians 2. Verse 13, you can see it on the screen as well. Verse 13 says that when you were dead in your trespasses and sin, that's all of us before we got saved. We were dead spiritually, dead with no hope in the world. When you were dead trespasses, and listen, and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, in other words, you were lost, you were in your, you were in your flesh, you were living in your flesh after the lust of the flesh, of the pride of life, you were living all these ways that is opposite of the character of what God desires for you. He made you alive with him and forgave all us all our trespasses. Did he not? Listen, listen to this. He erased and underlined this, the certificate of debt. Amen. Underline it. He erased the certificate of debt with his obligations that was against us and opposed to us and has taken it out of the way by what? Nailing it to the cross. 
He disarmed the rulers and authorities and disgraced them publicly. He triumphed over them, uh, over them by him. Therefore, don't let anyone judge you in regard to food and drink or in the matter of the festival or new moon or Sabbath. These are all are a shadow of what was to come. The substance is the Messiah. Let no one disqualify you, insisting on ascetic practices and the worship of angels, claiming access to a visionary realm and inflated without cause by his unspiritual mind. A lot of stuff there. He forgave your transgressions and the certificate of debt with his obligations that was against us and opposed us. That certificate of debt is a Roman thing in Roman times. When somebody was arrested, listen, when they were arrested... They would do a certificate of death which would itemize and list all the things that they were guilty of. Every single thing. In other words, this person is in prison because of the list of crimes committed, like killing, like stealing, murdering, whatever the case is. This certificate, uh, the certificate of sins that you committed that was causing you to be on lockdown and in prison, enslaved to the devil and his demons. The text says that in the cross, that Jesus ripped the certificate that was against you. He ripped it that was against you. So why do you need to know that Jesus ripped them up at the cross? That's the certificate, listen, that certificate that he ripped up, that certificate the devil uses to keep God from acting on your behalf. That's what the devil does. The devil says, says, God, you can't do anything for Bill Warden because he did this, and he did this, and he did this, and he did this. I'm going to pick on you, Brother Bill. And, he, and you did, he did this, right? To which Jesus says, yes, but this and this and this and this was addressed on the cross. Amen. Isn't that glorious? So, devil, you can't use all of this because Jesus says, I've taken this and this and this because I've already canceled this and this and this and this on the cross. You can't use that to hold Brother Bill hostage ever. Or any one of you. Colossians 2.14 says he erased the certificate of debt as if you've never sinned. He erased it all with his obligations that was against us and opposed to us and has taken it out of the way by nailing it to a cross. On the cross, Jesus tore down the rulers and authorities in heavenly places. Now Satan can only come after you with an unloaded gun. That's the only way he can come after you with an unloaded gun. But he is not going to tell you that. He's not going to tell you that. He wants you to think you are never going to make it. That you are never going to overcome. He wants you to think you will always be defeated. He wants you to think that you will never have victory. He wants you to think that you inherited depression from your family. And that you are never going to improve. He wants you to think that you are like your grandpa, grandma, mama, daddy. And that you just destined for failure. And you are looking at the gun the devil is holding saying stick them up. All the while, Jesus wants you to know that there are no bullets in that gun. None. That devil was disarmed where? At the cross. The cross of Christ. Satan, his demons, 
and his earthly followers, listen, are not the last word. Your boss is not the last word. Your economic status is not the last word. Your circumstances are not the last word. High and far above, all rule and authority, Jesus Christ sits as the ruler of everything. So am I saying that Jesus doesn't want you to have problems? No, I'm not saying that. Like Jesus teaches, even though you have problems, Jesus, like the storms, wants you to what? Walk on top of your problems. You remember that story? He walked on the stormy waters. Where did Jesus walk? On top of the storm. On top of the storm. Just like Peter, as long as his eyes were on the master walking on top of the storm, he too walked on top of the storm. Every single time. But when Peter took his eyes off of Jesus, what did he do? He sank. And we do that so often, don't we? We take our eyes off the Lord. We get busy. We, get, we don't think about him as we ought to. He needs to be a main focus every morning, at noon, at night. You need to be thinking about Jesus. You need to walk in his spirit that's in you as a believer. Jesus wants you to walk with him. Listen, he wants you to think that you inherited depression from your family and that you're never going to improve. He wants you to think that you are like all your family members who may have suffered through that, and that it's just passed down. I've heard that so many times. Well, my, my, my grandpa had it, my dad had it, I guess I got it too. And you don't have to be there. Because he's high, he's high far above the ruling authority. Jesus Christ sits as a ruler. Jesus does not remove these problems but he helps you to walk and endure and walk on top of those problems you must look listen you must live you must love and link up with jesus every single time your first motivation in a crisis should be what not to complain that's right but to praise jesus because you know now and i know now that this is not the last word right it isn't now it's a word and it's a bad word, maybe, but it's not the final word. Why? Because we know somebody that is what? Far above every ruler and authority, power and dominion. Who gets to make the last call on this matter? Jesus does. This should change all of our whole perspective in life. When you relate back to the cross. In fact, in Revelation chapter 12, verse 11, listen, it says, They conquered him, the devil, by the blood of the Lamb. And by the word of their testimony, for they did not love their lives in the face of death. They overcame him by the blood, the cross. They never lost sight that the cross means, listen, that the devil and demons and human followers bringing all hell in my life are not the last word. Ever. Not the last word. You and I, listen, are not to live in defeat. And so many times we live in defeat after defeat after defeat. Yes, you will have moments of weakness. I'm not saying that. But you must not allow that to define your life because it's not who you are in Christ. I'm going to show you that here in just a second. 
until Jesus says it ain't so, right? <laughs> he has the final word, period. You don't have to live an intimidated life, ever. If you are not supposed to let the devil intimidate you, who you can't even see, but then you let men and women intimidate you, don't you? Other people intimidate you. Listen, respect all people, but be intimidated by no one. No man. Why? Because you know somebody what? That's high, far, right? Above every rule and authority, power and dominion. Because the cross canceled out the certificate that was written against your very life. It's been canceled. It's been paid in full. By the blood of the Lamb, baby Jesus, listen, born of a virgin, who grew up, suffered under Pontius Pilate, listen, was crucified, was dead, was buried, and then on the third day he rose from the dead and he sits at the Father's right hand and he intercedes for you and for me every single day until we reach heaven's glory to be with him forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Praise the Lord. The truth will set you free, folks. The devil is always a liar, and the truth is not in him ever. Truth is always based on God's word. And I want to give you one last word. Turn to Ephesians chapter 2, starting in verse 4. Get this. This is so important. Get this before you leave today. Ephesians 2, verse 4. He says, but God, who is what? Rich in mercy. He's not poor in mercy. Right? He's rich in mercy because of his great what? Love. Not hate. His love that he had for us. He made us alive with the Messiah even though we were dead in our trespasses and sin. That's what you are when you don't know him as Savior. You're dead in your trespasses and sin. The Spirit of God is not alive when working in you until you get born again, born from above, born of the Spirit, that you trust Jesus as sacrifice on the cross for your forgiveness of your sins. You've got to trust all that and surrender your life and your mind and your will and emotions to him every time. Seated us. Listen, he says, together with Christ. He says, you are saved by grace. Together with Christ Jesus, he also raised us up and did what? And seated us in the heavens so that in the coming ages he might display the immeasurable riches of his grace through his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Now here's the thing. When you look at that, underline seated in the heavens. Who's seated there? Who's seated in the heavens? God's there. Who else is there? Who else is there? All of us, spiritually speaking, if you're saved, you're a believer, your chair is right beside Jesus' chair next to his Father's chair. And we don't look at it that way. But that's what this verse is saying. He says together, together means what? Together with Christ Jesus, he also raises up and seated us in the heavens. So that in coming ages he might display the immeasurable riches of his grace through his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. We are his trophies in heaven. Through the sacrifice of the blood of the Savior, the Messiah. Next to the Savior in heavenly places. Spiritually you are seated. Where? Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion. You must do everything in the Spirit, walking in the Spirit, from that seat up there, not this seat down here. You live your life from that seat, not from this seat. 
You've got to think in the spirit, in the spiritual realm. Don't live your life down here on the earth seated in the flesh. Don't. The flesh is passing away with all its lust and everything. It's passing away. Live by heaven's seat in the spirit of the living God. Amen? You must then speak from God's perspective then in your life. From his authority. Because his authority alone is what? It's the final word. It's the final, final word. Let's pray. Jesus, Lord, we're seated. If we're believers, we're seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Lord, you said so in your word. And I know your word is true. I know your word is true because I know, Lord Jesus, that you were born of a virgin. And we shared that. All the prophecies, the 340 prophecies of the Old Testament point forward to the coming of the Messiah and exactly how he would come. How he would come in a lowly manger in a town called Bethlehem. Lord, these were all told thousands of years before Jesus came. And Lord, you said it. He came. We're fixing to celebrate that this week. The birth of baby Jesus. And Lord, not only did you come, but you lived a pure life without sin. Because, Lord, you were the Lamb of God to take away the sin of the world. And, Lord, you grew up and you connected with your people. Lord, you healed people. You helped people. You had answers for people. And, Lord, you saved people. And, Lord, not only did that, you laid your life down on a cross for all people, for all time. And, Lord, but you didn't just end there. You didn't just lay down and die. In three days, you rose from the dead. And you appeared to your disciples, and you appeared in the rooms. Lord, you were able to come in, and just, there you were. And they could touch your wounds. They could touch your side. These are eyewitness accounts in our New Testament. First-hand accounts. And Lord, you appeared to more than 500 in Acts 2, in the ascension, to sit at the Father's right hand, and take your rightful position of where you are now. And God, and as you have saved our souls, Lord, you have extended the chairs next to you in heaven's glory. Help us to know, Lord, that the final word doesn't come from no man. The final word comes from you, Jesus. And Lord, there may be some here today that's never trusted you as Savior. They never reached out and said, Lord, you know, I never quite heard it put that way before. Lord, come into my life and save me from myself. I've never trusted in you as my Savior. And so if that's you here this morning, Listen, I want to help you this morning. I cannot pray a prayer that's going to get you into heaven. But you can pray to get into heaven by talking to Jesus. It's like you talk to your neighbors or your family members. Talk to Jesus. He's listening right now. Say something like this. Say, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. Lord Jesus, come into my life. Lord, I want to live above my circumstances. I want to live for you, Jesus, because I believe you died on the cross for me. You were buried and you rose from the dead just for me. Jesus, I ask you, I don't know what I'm doing, but I ask you to come into my heart right now to save me from myself. I trust in you as my Savior this morning. And Lord, I thank you for saving me this morning. Lord, help me to turn around from what I'm doing wrong and help me to chase after you with all my heart to do what is right. I want to live for you, Jesus. Because you paid an awful price for my life. I trust you this morning. And I thank you for saving me. 
with no one looking around, no one looking at me, no one looking around. I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want to know if you prayed to receive Christ as Savior this morning, would you just let me know just to raise your hand? Just raise your hand. Amen. Amen. Anybody else? Anybody else? Hold them up. Amen. Amen. Father, I thank you for my Christian brothers and sisters. I thank you for the hand that's raised. Lord, it's my prayer, Lord Jesus, that you do a perfect work in and through all of our lives, that we would trust you fully for everything that you have for us. So, God, we thank you for this time of year. We thank you for this season, that you are definitely the reason for this season. Well, we know that's kind of a cliche, but we know it's the truth. It's the gospel truth. Thank you, Jesus, for all of our guests that are here this morning. Thank you for letting them come and Lord, having them here as our guests this morning. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you spoke even to their hearts and to all of our hearts this morning. And Lord, we praise you. We thank you. Keep us safe during this week. Help us to enjoy our families, but help us always keep in mind what we're celebrating, how we're celebrating it, and man, look in the lives of our family members, our kids, our grandkids, our great-grandkids, and Lord, make that message of Christ out front for everybody. I thank you for it all until Christmas Eve. Amen, amen, amen. Now listen, for your little, uh, some of you who are guests today, I think I got three of them left, and we got uh, these little boxes that we've been giving out for this whole month of December. And they got a little portion that re resembles each of the messages. Listen, if you haven't heard the messages, you go to uh, thehillscampus.com, the